We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the Core here on American Family Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman. I'm your host for the Core today. Glad to be with you on the program. As a reminder, uh, the video of the show is available on our streaming platform, streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. Also, we are live streaming the video on the Core's Facebook page. AFA at the Core on Facebook. You can go there and watch it there as well. Uh, we do offer the audio on our website and on the mobile app on AFR's website, AFR.net, and the AFR mobile application. So we, uh, to bring in the word that Bobby and I just love to use, okay, okay, not Bobby and I, it's just what I like to use. Uh, we offer the program through a plethora of a plethora venues if that's the proper word, venues or it avenues, is. It is. platforms. <laughs> so uh, you can't say to us, I just don't know how to listen to the core. Um, and that's not even mentioning our radio network. That's not even mentioning our FM radio network. So we have that as well. All right. We are um, in uh, Psalm chapter 35, Psalm chapter 35. Um, what I want to look at today in Psalm chapter 35 is verse 7 and 8. Verse 7 and 8, here's David speaking, talking about his enemies here. This is a common theme for David, is uh, addressing his enemies. He says in verse 7, For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause they dug a pit for my life. Then uh, verse 8, he goes on continuing the the. Uh, the, the uh, addressing his enemies, he says, uh, let destruction come upon him when he does not know it and let the net that he hid and snare him and let him fall into it to his destruction. Well, verse 7 here, the word cause is <clears throat> quite interesting. And this, this is very applicable to today and to our culture where we live in America. So so David David is 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 complimenting or is leaning on God's law here. Because David is 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 in a roundabout way saying that my enemies don't have a reason to pursue me. He's not saying that directly. He's saying, verse 7, for without cause, they hid their net for me. So without cause, they came after me is what he's saying there. Without cause, they dug a pit for my life. So in a roundabout way, David is saying, the, my enemy has no case against me. My enemy has no just cause. That's, that's a legal term in American society today. You know, you, you, you fill out 
or you look at a uh, search warrant and, and 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 you look at well what was probable cause what led law enforcement to seek after to seek evidence in regards to this subject and so that this this reminds us as believers that government and 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 laws that that come down from government must be just they must be just because if david is citing god's law citing the moral law and citing uh the fact that it's that it is unjust for his enemies to pursue him without cause then then today we don't need to as christians we don't need to try to separate God's law, God's standards with the standards of the laws that we preside under, that we live under, what wherever we live, whatever nation we live in, whatever state we live in, whatever territory we live in, uh, God's standard, God's law must be directly tethered to, must directly guide man's law. And that's the only way that we get just law here in America and around the world is by ensuring that man's law is tethered to God's law and is guided and directed by God's law. So little did you know, little did you know that the same legal terminology, the same legal terms that we use today, uh, probable cause, just cause, um, there's multiple ways to describe it, but David uses that same terminology, that same terminology. So justice... You know, justice is one of those key words or one of those buzzwords that gets floated around. People throw out the term justice all the time. Well, how do we know what's just? Well, we know what's just by looking at God's word. That's where we get our ultimate definition of justice from, directly out of the word of God. So David's enemies, they were pursuing him without cause. And another note we can take from this is, well, if David was being pursued without cause, then do you think we will be pursued without cause? Absolutely we will. Absolutely. As, as uh, bearers of the cross, as uh, followers of the Messiah, we will be pursued by the enemies of God, and many times they will have no cause. Many times they will have no cause. The only cause they will have is that we are uh, followers of, of the Messiah. Moving into uh, some of our stories today, by the way, we will have some special guests on in the second and third segment. We'll have on uh, Katie Talento. She's executive director over at the Alliance of Health Care Sharing Ministries. And uh, we'll talk about hospital pricing and why transparency is important there. Pretty interesting subject. Uh, we'll also, in the last segment, talk to Dr. Jessica Peck. She is author of Behind Closed Doors, A Guide to Help Parents and Teens Navigate Life's Toughest Issues. So we'll talk with both of those guests later in the show. Well, I came across this uh, pretty encouraging. You talk about pursuing someone without cause. Uh, here is a story I came across this weekend. This is in regards, or in regard to a private Christian school in the state of Florida. And the, the, the school, Grace Christian School in uh, Florida, 
they uh, put out a guidance or put out guidance just uh, earlier this summer, it says. So during the summer break, they put out guidance to all the parents and teachers, so on and so forth. And and the, the email, the guidance from the school administrator, his name is Barry McKean, it, uh, it addressed the issue of human sexuality. And let me just summarize what the email, what the guidance from the school administrator said. By the way, obviously this is a Christian school. The name of the school is Grace Christian School. The, uh, the guidance had to do with uh, students and how they will only be identified by their, quote, biological sex. Uh, the guidance went on to say that students who are found participating in gay or transgender lifestyles will be asked to leave the school immediately. The, uh, the school administrator went on to say that we believe that God created mankind in his image, male and female, sexually different but with equal dignity. He goes on to say, uh, the school administrator goes on to say in this guidance email, therefore one's biological sex must be affirmed and no attempt should be made to physically change, alter, or disagree with one's biological gender, including but not limited to elective sex reassignment, transvestite, transgender, or non-binary gender fluid acts of conduct. He cites Genesis 1, 26 or 28. Students in school will be referred to uh, by the gender on their birth certificate and be referenced in the name in the same fashion. Uh, the email continued. So, of course, when that email, when that guidance was leaked to the public, when it was released to the public, you know, all of the haters of God's law, the haters of God's standard, just went after uh, this school administrator, went after this school, even lodged a death threats at this Christian school and the school administrator. But here's what the uh, school administrator said. Once again, his name is Barry McKeon. He's a uh, school administrator for Grace Christian School in the state of Florida. Here's what he said in response to the backlash. We need to replicate Mr. McKean times a million. Here's what he said. He said, if I backed down from something like this, this is his email response, I'm abandoning what God has said is truth. He goes on to say that I kind of racked my brain. Like, how is this hard for people to understand? This is what God said. This is one of the many reasons we have a Christian school, he said, and we're not going to abandon this policy. God has spoken on these issues. Uh, Grace Christian School Administrator Barry McKeon told Fox News Digital in a phone interview on Sunday. And so uh, the quote that we can take from this, when, when questioned by culture, when questioned by society and people who despise the law of God, who look down upon God's creation. Here's what the the believer, uh, the Christian school administrator in Florida said. He said, we're not going to abandon this policy. God has spoken on these issues. So good for this uh, school administrator, good for this school, following God's word, following God's law, being obedient to the word of God, uh, despite the cost. So good for them. That's a very encouraging story out of the state of Florida. And we need more believers with backbone. We need more believers with courage, standing up, fighting back, not backing down, not denouncing their faith, not denouncing God's law, all because of pressure uh, from people who don't even believe 
in what you believe in fundamentally. So <clears throat> good news story out of the state of Florida. Well, <clears throat> a couple other stories I want to get to. By the way, we have this uh, this action alert that's still up, still ready for you to participate in, is in regards to uh, President Biden's proposed HHS rule, <clears throat> Health and Human Services rule. Well, what will this rule do? It will, to put things simply here, it will force um, medical professionals to participate in this gender insanity, this sex reassignment insanity. This rule proposed or put forth by uh, President Biden and the Department of Health and Human Services will uh, create a standard, create a rule through regulatory framework that will force medical professionals. So let's say there's a Christian doctor that is faced with a patient that is faced with a patient that wants to go down this path of destroying their body in the name of gender therapy or gender affirming care. That's the buzzword they use for it. They make it sound nice and rosy, but it's very destructive. Well, if that doctor says, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I believe that God created us male and female, and I'm not going to participate and aid you in destroying how God created you. I'm not going to participate in that. Well, according to the Health and Human Services Standard rule that they're proposing, that doctor would have to participate in that or he would face punishment. And, and, and the, the repercussions are still unclear, which is very concerning. So this rule would force this gender insanity that is destroying the bodies of young people and people of all ages around this nation. It would force that insanity upon everyone who is a medical professional. All healthcare systems, all hospital systems, all uh, medical facilities would have to participate in this insanity. Uh, this is the threat to freedom. This is the threat to God's created order. AFA at the core will be back in just a few minutes. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. With this statement, Jesus affirmed what he'd already said in Genesis 1 and 2 and defined marriage for all time. Contrary to the protestations of the nouveau critical theorists, the nuclear family consisting of a married father and mother is not a Western sociological prescription or construct. Marriage did not originate in the West. Its origin isn't suburban America. It started in Genesis in the Garden of Eden. Marriage is God's idea. Therefore, he alone defines it. If you don't like it, your problem is with God, not me. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. I can't live without. I'll just die if I don't have. Oh, that's my favorite thing in the whole wide world. Your girl might be apt to speak in the language of worship from time to time, especially about things that have a hold on her heart, be it a phone, tacos, or her best friend. Truthfully, we all worship something. Even those who reject God have worldly things they elevate and essentially worship. How do you know? They will put the object of their worship into a life or death box. It is the key to their life's happiness or they'll perish without it. If you notice your girl speaking like this, gently caution her of the heart hold in place. If the hold is anything other than God, creator and savior, it might be time for some soul cleansing. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Miki. And we've been married 16 years. You know, one of the things that Miki asked me before we got married, she's like, why do you want to marry me? What is it about, about me? Really, the Lord had put on my heart that God was putting us together for destiny and for purpose, and that he had a ministry that he desired to do through us, that, you know, we were both ministering on our own, but together that God was going to, you know, use us to minister. There is no one who is closer to you than your spouse, and there is no one who knows you better, and this is by God's design. Marriage is the first institution that God has given us to to shape us and to mold us and to show us ourselves. It's a beautiful picture. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the core here on American Family Radio. Glad to be with you today on the program. We are live streaming the video on our streaming platform. Uh, the URL for that is very simple, streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. Once you get there, you'll be prompted to either log in or sign up, whichever. If you already have an account, that's great. Go ahead and log in. If not, uh, you can create one. It takes you just a couple minutes there on our streaming platform, and then you'll be able to watch the show uh, live right there on our video streaming platform. Well, I do want to introduce our next guest. We have on the line with us Katie Talento. She is executive director of the Alliance of Healthcare Sharing Ministries, and she's on the line with us today. Hey, uh, Katie, welcome to the core. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, uh, tell tell our audience before we jump into the topic of hospitals and pricing and transparency there, which is a very interesting topic. Uh, tell our audience a little bit about the Alliance. Yeah, so we are a nonprofit membership association, and we represent the interests of healthcare sharing ministries and their members. We do that before state and local governments, as well as the federal government. And we try to get the word out about what healthcare sharing ministries are and um, make people aware of how we work and, and that we're out there as an option. Well, Katie, uh, one of the issues that you speak to that you write about pretty extensively is is pricing, what, what, what many call price transparency, as it relates to medical facilities and, and, and insurance and pricing. Uh, you wrote a recent uh, column on Town Hall that, that's titled, Hospitals Stop Hiding 
your prices. Go ahead and set up this topic for us. What is price transparency? What is the issue in regards to hospitals and their pricing? Yeah, great. Great question. Terrible topic. But, you know, when you go to a, to a restaurant, they they give you a menu. And the menu, unless it's a super sushi restaurant, you should be very worried, the menu almost always has a price on it. And, you know, that price may dictate what you decide to order, right? And and the price doesn't vary based on whether you're going to pay by cash or with a credit card or, you know, a, a diner's club or a gift card. The price is always the same. And that's true of almost every industry out there except healthcare. And only in healthcare do you not get to know the price in advance. The people selling you the service, they don't even know what the price is. They don't know what it is for anyone, whether you have a certain kind of insurance or whether you're on Medicare or whether you're paying cash. They don't know. That doctor isn't going to know what your price is. And you don't even find out until maybe months later when it turns out it's five times higher than you thought it was. It might be five times higher than your insurance said it was going to be. And there are all these other doctors and providers that you never agreed to see that might be billing you too, like like a radiologist who read your x-ray but who you never met. And th- those bills come to you and, and, you know, you have to pay them. Your insurance has to pay them. For most Americans, that means their employer has to pay them without having any say-so whatsoever. And it makes it impossible to shop by price, which, of course, means there's no competition on price between doctors and hospitals, even though the price varies dramatically, like like five times orders of magnitude between different facilities just down the street from each other, or even the same procedure in the same hospital, you know, could cost three times more for one person who has one kind of insurance and another person who has a different kind of insurance or someone who, who pays cash or is a member of a healthcare sharing ministry. The price is totally different. So this is all by design. Who does that serve? It serves the hospitals. That's who, Right. So all the employers out there paying for healthcare and all the patients who have high deductibles and co-insurance and co-pays and, you know, the taxpayers who are paying for half the healthcare in this country, all of us just have to pay. We can't say a thing about it. Yeah. So when President Trump came into, came into office, he said, that's crazy. And he implemented a, um, this is when I worked for him at the White House, he implemented a new rule for hospitals that they have to show all their prices on a website and it has to be for every single kind of payer, whether it's a certain health plan and whether it's cash, whether it's healthcare sharing ministry, whether it's Medicare. And that came, that rule came into effect January 1, 2021. In the first year, only 5% of hospitals complied. And now we're about eh, 13 or 14%. Um, so it's, it's a bipartisan policy. It's the most popular policy I ever worked on in my policy career in, in Washington. And, you know, it's, it's got like 90% support by the voters. I mean, where else can you get that? In this <laughs> Duly noted. Well, Katie, the, the, the big question for me is where are the insurance companies? Because these folks, they have a vested interest in knowing the pricing and they have a big lobby. They've got a lot of money. Where are the, where are the insurance companies, the health insurance companies on this issue? Yes, what a quaint, old-fashioned idea you have there that, that <laughs> health and care insurance companies are supposed to keep prices down. That is what their value prop was once upon a time. 
But now, under the Affordable Care Act, they were, you know, this well-intentioned provision of the ACA, it was put into place to try to limit the profits of insurance companies. And it said that insurance companies can only spend for their own profit 15% of the money that comes in as premium. Okay, so they can have 15% of that revenue as profit. They can keep it. The rest they have to spend on medical care for all their enrollees. Well, what's the only way that they can get more profit? Premium and spending more on medical care. So they have zero interest in driving costs down all of a sudden. And that's why we've seen the cost of health care dramatically increase. Ever since the ACA was, was implemented in about 2013 is when it came into effect, We've seen premiums more than double over that time period, and that's why. Well, okay. So price transparency is the holdup. Um, this is – I will say this. Here's another frustration I have, and I believe your team and the Trump administration did address this too as well, but it's the uh, – the surprise billing, and maybe maybe this is lumped into the same topic we're already discussing, but I don't know about you, but I get I get medical bills like six months later. Like, I've, 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 this is six months, like I've even forgotten why I went to the doctor, but then a bill shows up uh, from six months ago. I've even received bills from 12 or 18 months ago. Is there anything that's being done about that, Katie? Yes. Thankfully, there was a bill that came, a, a law that came into effect at the end of, uh, it, was tw- it was 2020, and it was this Christmas miracle. They, <laughs> it was called the Consolidated Appropriations Act. At the end of 2020, the President Trump signed it, and it banned that type of surprise billing. So what surprise billing is, is you go to a ER, let's say, and you pick the ER. Let's say you've got three hospitals that you could choose from, and you pick the ER that's in network with your insurance plan. Great, smart. So you go in there get your care, and you get billed for whatever in-network rates are. Six months or 18 months, as you said later, you get a bill for part of that care from a doctor you don't even remember seeing, you maybe didn't see, such as a radiologist or an anesthesiologist who, you know, you only, you only touched you when you were under anesthesia, and they were not in-network. They work in that hospital that's in network with your insurance plan, but that doctor is not in network. And now you're paying out of network rates. Well, that is called surprise billing, and now it's illegal. Thank God. Thanks to Congress and President Trump. Um, you know, we're still hoping to see, uh, you know, kind of the compliance with that, but the practice is going to be dramatically reduced. Uh, Katie, I do want to get back to the practical steps for our consumers or for our uh, individuals out there uh, that do run into this problem of hospitals being a little shady with their pricing, not properly displaying their pricing on their website or at their facilities. Uh, in your in your in your op-ed, you do talk through some practical steps that individuals can take uh, to really really force the hospital systems to be more transparent or at least show their pricing. What are some of those steps that you cover? Right. So the first thing we want to do is we want to prevent price gouging, prevent surprise bills coming to us. So what I like to do is when I'm in the doctor's office, especially when I'm in the ER where they have to treat you, is I, you know, they they come to you with all these forms. 
and they want you to sign a form and they just say, oh, this is just your signature to give us consent to treat you. Well, of course, you're giving consent to be treated. That's why you're there. What they don't tell you is that there's also a form in there that gives the consent to gouge you at any price, no matter what your insurance pays, you agree to pay whatever the balance is that your insurance doesn't pay. That is a form you do not want to sign and you are not obligated to sign it, especially not in an ER. So what I do is I usually just cross everything out on that form and instead I write this sentence. I agree to pay no more than two times the Medicare rate, which is a, a good low benchmark, two times the Medicare rate for all appropriate care. And you sign that. And sometimes you can write it on a napkin or you can just use the same piece of paper and write it at the back or the top. And you're going to get a little confusion and pushback from the, you know, 25 year old clerk who's <laughs> tasked with getting your signature, but you just stand firm. And if they're doing it on an iPad, this is their favorite trip. They like, they like to do it on an iPad so that you can't edit it. If they're doing it on an iPad, just ask for a printed version so that you can write on it. They're required to give you a printed version. So that's one preventive measure, but also they're required now under that Consolidated Appropriations Act, they're required to give you a price in advance for all care. So if you're about to have an MRI or a colonoscopy or you're going to have a procedure of some sort, you should definitely ask for that price in advance. And it, it is supposed to be a good faith estimate. And, you know, they're required to do a decent job there and run your insurance and give you a real uh, true answer. Um, so you should ask for that. But these are sort of preventive measures. After the fact, if you get gouged, the first thing to do is to ask them for an itemized bill. You'd be surprised. You, you get a bill for your entire visit and they don't tell you that, oh, there was a you know $200 Band-Aid on, on there. So when you ask for an itemized bill, they take the $200 Band-Aid off. And you'll be shocked at how much lower the bill comes back when they have to actually tell you what they were gouging you for in the first bill. So that's yeah. just one, a few techniques I use. Well, and Katie, you're not, you, people, some people are probably listening thinking, wow, th there's no way that really happens. A $200 Band-Aid, oh, Katie, are you right? I mean, I, I've had, my wife, we've had, we've had, we have four kids. One of them was a set of twins. So we've had three, three uh, stays at the hospital delivering children. Um, and the, the, you know, the, the nurse comes in and, and, and they've got uh, ibuprofen or, or some type of pain medicine medication and uh, they scan the barcode, they scan it. And every single thing that you use uh, is being itemized, being uh, inventoried so it, it can show up on a bill somewhere down the road that you may not see. Um, so that, that actually does happen, uh, believe it or not. Well, Katie, uh, thanks so much for addressing this issue. And uh, we'll be sure to link to your to your op-ed over in Town Hall and uh, encourage our audience to take some of the steps, some of the common sense steps uh, that you've provided here. Is there anything, one last question, is there anything that Congress still needs to do or is most of the stuff to address this this pricing transparency issue, is most of it already law now? So what they need to do is basically enforce the third piece of the Trump transparency rule. The first piece was hospitals. The second piece is insurers. And their their rule is just became effective on July 1. So we'll see how that goes. But the third piece was drugs and the price of drugs. And the Biden administration went soft and gave a pass and said, oh, they'll indefinitely extend the, the effective date of that piece. So 
you know, the drug companies and the pharmaceutical benefit managers who get, a, they're like these creepy middlemen in the drug supply chain that drive up prices. They're all getting off scot-free and not having to show their true prices. So that's one piece that Congress should probably weigh in on. So we need, instead of 87,000 IRS agents, we need 87,000 uh, ambassadors on behalf of the American people to go around to these hospital systems and make sure they're following the rules. Is that what, I, what I'm getting right, Katie? That would be a far better use of taxpayer dollars, yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk to Biden about that. We'll see what we, what we can work out. Uh, it's amazing, Katie, uh, how the system protects itself, and then you and me are out here fending for ourselves. But I'm glad that you're on this, Katie. Appreciate your service in the Trump administration. Thanks for coming on the court. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Walker. All right. There you have it. That's uh, Katie Talento. She's uh, executive director over at the Alliance of Healthcare Sharing Ministries, and we will post her op-ed on our podcast page at AFR.net, and the title is Hospitals Stop Hiding Your Prices, and she provides that entire uh, all the content we just discussed is mostly in that op-ed uh, that you can go out there and read for yourself. Well, uh, speaking of big government and more more government as far as uh, the expansion of the IRS, uh, folks, that, that expansion of the IRS is, is just mind-boggling. 87,000 new agents uh, they're going to hire, and uh, that, that's, that's one way uh, just one other way amongst many to go after the American people and go after your political opponents, your ideological opponents. Uh, and if you don't believe me, think about this. There's a statistic out there floating somewhere, and I haven't looked it up recently, but it basically was a statistic showing a study showing how many laws you and I break a day. Oh, Walker, I don't break laws. I go the speed limit. I wear my seatbelt. I don't park in handicap parking if I'm not handicapped. Boy, are you naive. We Do you know how many laws are on the books? We all break laws every day. All, there's all kind of laws on the books regarding all kinds of stuff. And so whether we mean to or not, we all at certain times in our life break the law. All right. It may be innocently, but we do it. We break the law. And uh, that's what this IRS thing is about. That's what these agents are about. All you've got to do, and Obama did this very well with the IRS. You find somebody you don't like, you sick the IRS on them, you start auditing their tax returns, auditing their personal finances, and you start finding all these minuscule little rules that they broke, minuscule little laws that they broke, and then you just hammer down on them until they fold. That is what totalitarian governments do, and that's what they want to do to you. American Family Studios was started back in 2011 as a way to advance the Christian worldview into an increasingly media-rich culture. Media is like such a powerful tool to communicate the gospel. I love writing stories, getting in my office, and just thinking, how can we portray this concept of who God's character is? And to get to use the gifts that God has given me is really a joy. AmericanFamilyStudios.net AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. 
So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, just watching your hard-earned dollars flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option. It's called MediShare 65+. Plus. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. It really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years, and you can use your Medicare-approved doctor, and you also get telehealth 24-7 service, so you don't have to leave your home for the little stuff. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're easy to talk to. Call 833-45 Bible. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. Hey, this is Dave from Sawa Province. There is a way to break free from drug addiction, no matter how hopeless things might seem. Addiction doesn't care about your relationships. It doesn't care about your job. It doesn't care about what you need to do. It takes over everything. I had no access to my wife, to my three children. My friends didn't know what to do. And what's sad is that I didn't even care. I just was worried about when I was going to get to drink next. I came to Team Challenge and I was shown the true nature of who Jesus Christ is and who my Heavenly Father is and what grace means. And I'm able to have a free life. Adult and Teen Challenge helps people find a life of freedom. If you or a loved one is ready to end an addiction, you can call toll-free at 1-855-END-ADDICTION or visit them online at teenchallengeusa.org. You're listening to American Family Radio. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. This is our last segment of the Core. Glad for, uh, to have you joining us today. If you miss any part of the show, you can go to our website and our app, and you can uh, get the podcast there on the American Family Radio app and on the AFR.net website. Uh, if you want to listen to the podcast on other platforms, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you miss part of the show, maybe you only call it the first segment and you want to listen to the last two, uh, that's all right. We make the show available uh, for you in a podcast form wherever you listen to podcasts. All you got to do is subscribe, and you'll get the core's latest episode wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, I want to introduce our next guest, Dr. Jessica Peck. She is a pediatric nurse practitioner, and she's author of Behind Closed Doors, a guide to help parents and teens navigate through life's toughest issues. Uh, Dr. Peck, welcome to the core. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be with you here today. Absolutely. Well, we do, uh, uh, Jessica, we do address these, uh, some of the issues that you write about in your book here on on the core, um, especially Mm -hmm. in regards to what our our young people are going through uh, in American culture today, a lot of the challenges, a lot of the pressures that they're facing, and how they can uh, they can stay rooted in God's Word, rooted in how God created them. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background 
And what led you to write this uh, book, Behind Closed Doors? Well, I would love to do that. I am a pediatric nurse practitioner, as you said. I'm also a professor at Baylor University. And believe it or not, I'm a mom of four teens. Yes, at one time, and they're all mine. So (laughs) as a professor, yeah, as a professor, I'm really alarmed about the research that's emerging on the current status of mental health and, and physical health, too, in teens today. And as a pediatric nurse practitioner, I know that life isn't perfect. People kind of think that things look good on the outside, but I have the privilege of seeing what's going on behind closed doors when families are in crisis and they're at their greatest point of need. And I see the realities of what of the research that I'm looking at. And as a parent, I see my kids at home struggling, even though they have a significant advantage having a pediatric nurse practitioner as a mom. But I know the pain and heartbreak of wanting so badly to be a good parent but just feeling like you're failing miserably. And the truth is your teens want your presence, not your perfection. And parents have to start somewhere. But what I realized is that many parents just don't know where to start. So as a full professor with academic freedom, newly finding myself at a faith-based university at Baylor, which was amazing, and having teens of my own led me to realize that I was uniquely gifted with the knowledge, the skill set, and the experience to really, my mission is to engage, equip, encourage and empower parents. And that's what led to the birth of DrNurseMama.com and the book (laughs) Behind Closed Doors. Uh, My mission is happy parents and healthy teens. Jessica, let me me ask you this. So you cover many issues in the book, and I'm reading just a list list of them now. Uh, Mm -hmm. What what is, there's got to be a common denominator here. I mean, our, 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 our youth are, when you look at in the, in the, historically, our youth are just not doing very well, not only from a health standpoint, mm-hmm. but from a, an emotional standpoint and a spiritual standpoint. What, what's the common denominator here amongst all of these issues that our young people are facing? You know, our kids today, as you said, they're just facing things that we simply didn't face when we were kids. We didn't encounter social media, sexting, vaping, cyberbullying. There's just an avalanche of very real realities for kids today. So, for example, teens really have underdeveloped character to handle the overexposure of social media. And so what I'm finding is that we can use our old school wisdom as parents in collaboration with their fresh perspective and the realities that they're facing to create opportunities for meaningful conversations that build healthy relationships. And that's why I've created resources to do just that. What um, teens are, I think, I think the breakdown of God's design for family is one of the leading um, circumstances or, or problems that can then morph into or feed these other issues that you're talking about here. Uh, but, I, you know, I've heard, I've spoken to parents that have teens that are living in a, in a stable mom and dad household, mm-hmm. uh, taking them to church or at least attempting to, trying to be salt and light, trying to disciple their children. But somehow their, their children end up turning into prodigals and end up um, uh, struggling with some of the issues that you talked about here. Uh, speak to those parents who feel like they're failing, feel like they're, they're trying their best to keep their child on track or their teen on track, uh, but somehow they've just fallen through. Well, you know, we are all fallen. We, are, um, we have a perfect Father and God, but we are imperfect children. And so we have to take that same compassionate mindset with ourselves 
and give ourselves grace for parenting mistakes and realize that we do the best that we can until we know better and then we do better. And it's interesting that you say, you know, this is what, what you're describing is what I call the not my kids syndrome, which I see a lot of parents struggle with. And really a lot of where this started from in my journey was where I was speaking to audiences of professional nurses about the impact of social media or mental health in kids today. And I realized that these nurses were not listening to me as nurses, but they were listening to me as parents. And I could not speak one single time without a parent getting up in the back of the room or somewhere in the room and saying, hey, this happened to my kid. And my kid was in church every week and I was watching their social media. And so Sometimes that can be scary for us as parents because we think we can do all of the right things. But really, the bottom line is that teens desperately need their parents to initiate difficult conversations with confidence and grace while sparing their difficulty. I'm sorry, while sparing their dignity. That's really important. Mm -hmm. And I really want parents to build relationships because that is going to improve family health. The greatest predictor of your happiness is not what you're doing in life, but who you are doing it with. And that means relationships matter. But they're difficult because in this world of instant fixes and instant gratification, there's no instant relationships. We want to treat parenting our teens like growing a chia pet, you know, put a little (laughs) investment in and then you have maximum outcome. But in reality, it's more like a pineapple that takes 24 months to grow. You might plant that seed and you watch and you wait and you take care of it and you see nothing for a long time. But you just have to be patient and realize that you're planting that seed for another season. Yeah, the the uh, the technology or the not just technology that's very broad, but the the constant need for entertainment or the constant desire rather for entertainment is uh, I think it's really hampering our ability. And I'm not just talking about teens here; I'm talking about adults too. I'm talking to myself. Um, I, I believe it's really hindering our ability to communicate face to face, to carry on healthy conversations, to build relationships. Um, it's just so easy to get stuck in the in the in the gutter of technology and entertainment and always feeling like you've got to be on social media. Um, so that's that's I know that's one major challenge that a lot of people face, um, even 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 adults as well. But uh, uh, Dr. Peck, as you look at parenting and as a mom of four and as as a pediatrician, What's the balance and as a believer, most importantly, what's the balance between, being a parent, protecting your children, protecting your teens, your young adults, uh, shielding them from from uh, sinful influence, if you will, but yet allowing them to a certain extent to mature and to face some challenges on their own so that when they do get out of the house, when they do um, uh, enter adulthood and, and get married, hopefully they can handle those challenges on their own. What's the balance there? That is such a great question, and that's what I see a lot of parents who are really well-intentioned, and they're very focused on external sources that could influence their child. And if you could kind of visualize it like they put their child behind them and they're on guard, looking, scanning the horizon for any threat that can come. But we know from Scripture that threats come from the heart, that our heart is um, can have uh, can have bad intent, and that the things can just arise from the inside. And so it does require a specific balance. What I see is a lot of parents who are afraid to initiate conversation because they don't want to expose their kid to something they haven't been exposed to, or they don't want to give them ideas that they may not already have. So I would say this to that. Um, First, you know, as a pediatric nurse practitioner, 
kids already have ideas. They do. And a lot of them are not great ones. They're not wise. They're not mature. And they need to be talked through. And in initiating conversation, it's so much better if you can initiate conversation as a parent and control the way that they are exposed to those sources. And that way, when they, they come across those situations at school or in their social circles, they can feel equipped and empowered, and they know you have already established yourself as the expert to come back and ask questions to. So I'll give you an example. It's very, very common uh, for pornography, for kids to be exposed to pornography. And if you talk to your kids about that and say, and use developmentally appropriate language, you know, and saying, you may see some things that make you uncomfortable. You may get an email that you didn't expect, or your friend may show you a video that you know is not right. If that happens, come and talk to me about it. You know, sometimes that happens and that is not your fault. Rather than when they experience these things, they feel an instant sense of shame and they really don't feel like they should ask you about it because there's something wrong, but they don't really know what that is. So I think guiding and having a series of conversations in which you intentionally increase their exposure and equip them to handle those situations prepares them to best confidently face that situation in the future. Yeah, you know, one as a as a dad to young boys, one um, one example I experienced with my son, uh, who I shall not name, but folks can probably narrow it down <laughs> who know my family. Uh, my oldest son, he uh, he he's at the stage where he he's honest, and he knows he's done something wrong. So that's a good thing and a bad thing. It's good that he's honest, but it's bad that he knew what he was doing was wrong. He had knowledge that the decision I'm making is not honoring to my father or my mother. And so to your point, balancing that, he approaches me and said, I disobeyed mom earlier. Okay, so he knows, and he knew he disobeyed her even without her correcting him. So, but to your point, you've got to handle that delicately because you don't want him to shut down. You don't want him to not come Mm -hmm. and be honest with you moving forward. But at the same time, he needs to understand that he knew he was making a bad decision and he doesn't need to replicate that. Uh, so very good point there. Very, very practical advice. Hey, Dr. Jessica Peck, uh, thank you so much for coming on the core and uh, uh, tell our audience where they can get uh, the name of your book one more time and where they can, uh, where they can search for it and uh, order it if they would like. Absolutely. Well, it's called Behind Closed Doors, a guide to help parents and teens navigate through life's toughest issues. And you can find it at drnursemama.com. All right, drnursemama.com. Hey, uh, Dr. Peck, thanks so much for coming on. We'll be sure to have you on again to address these issues of the day. Thanks so much, and have a great afternoon. All right, thank you so much. Uh, Once again, the name of her book there is uh, Behind Closed Doors, A Guide to Help Parents and Teens Navigate Life's Toughest Issues. So I want to encourage our audience, uh, for anyone who who, my conversation with uh, Dr. Peck spark their interest or um, are they are going through this phase of parenthood, I want to encourage you to to at least read up on on Dr. Peck's work um, and because we we all need to be sharpened, we all need to be molded, we all need to be sanctified and uh, we can all use some uh, some wisdom as we continue to disciple and train our and upbring our children. Anyone who who raises their hand and says they've got it all figured out, well, they're just not being honest. They're just not being honest. Um, parenting, discipleship, 
is one of those journeys that takes a lifetime and um, there's there's multiple ways you can approach it but the important the important truth that as parents we must all remain tethered to is God's word we must all allow and make God's word a priority in our lives and use it to guide our decision making guide our behavior guide our approach to to parenting because you can read all the parenting books in the world which there are some good ones out there we just interviewed an author of one and you can read all the uh, all the guides and all the how to's and you know here's this technique that you can use and here's this disciplinary uh, approach you can use and and but at the end of the day, folks, as, as Dr. Peck noted, we are dealing with humans, fellow humans, our children, who were born into sin because of the fall of Adam and Eve. They were born into sin, and they are in desperate need of redemption. They're in desperate need of heart change. And so as we work towards that journey, uh, we have to uh, remain diligent in prayer and remain diligent in teaching the Word of God to our to our children that's what we have to do and god's word he says that his word when shared his word will not return void so god's word prayer um spiritual warfare those are those are some of the most powerful approaches as christians that we must take in parenting our children parenting our teens and parenting young adults and we must not forget overall that what we are doing is we are participating in, we are taking part in having an eternal impact for God's glory. And not only an eternal impact, but we also have the chance to have a generational impact. Disciple your children. They will in turn disciple their children, your grandchildren, and the lasting effect of the gospel will ripple for generations to come. That's our calling. That's our duty as parents, and we should be honored to take part in God's work here on this earth. EFA at the core, I'm Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you today. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.